Hi, I'm Riley Ernst, the podcast coordinator for Crave the Sound. On this week's episode of Crave the Podcast, Sam Miser talks with Molly Huddleston, a music journalist about the band Arizona. They get into the band's most recent live stream, being a music journalist, mental health in music, and much more. Enjoy! Thank you so much for joining me. Um, here, first I wanted to talk about, so you have a very you know, diverse background in the musical industry. Would you kind of start by telling us a bit about what you've done and what you do now? Yeah, so first thing I ever did in music, I booked shows at college at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. And shortly after that, started a music blog called Circles and Soundwaves. Uh, that would have been April 2011 that that launched. So that was really when I began writing about music, interviewing, photography, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote for Access. I wrote for my campus paper. And I had, you know, I toured a little bit. I worked for PETA, obviously, did Warp Tour for them. And I started writing for Substream the summer of 2017. Um, yes, connected with their editor at the time. And he was like, we need writers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that worked out pretty well. And full-time, I work at Hip Video Promo, a music video promotion company in New Jersey. Got my job largely because of my writing background, uh, being able to write well, as well as having organizational skills is a very big asset that not everyone has that company. Um, I left, so I ended Circles and Sound with my blog 2018, focused on stuff with Substream. Um, I left Substream last fall. I put out a book end of last year, and this spring I started my podcast, Generation GC, which is all about Good Charlotte. It's, you know, whereas everything I did at Substream or Access or Circles and Soundways would be like a different band every week, I just get to do something much, much more detailed and focused. So it's been a fun switch. Very cool. Very cool. So Good Charlotte's been your focus lately, just focusing uh, podcast weekly or how? Yeah. <laughs> weekly um i have not missed a week yet i'm i'm moving into like in actually exactly two weeks so i'm hoping i'm trying to stay ahead of editing so i don't have to miss a week but if i have to i have to well very cool very cool yeah and yeah. Then, well next up i think something we both uh hopefully enjoy what did you think of Arizona's Thursday live stream and do you think like was this a typical Arizona performance to you was this out of the ordinary um yeah just love to hear your thoughts on that first off so the only time I've seen them like in concert was last June when I had you know interviewed them for that piece and everything um I thought it was good I I will say I noticed I think Zach forgot the words to where you are uh briefly but yeah, I mean, other than that, like it definitely felt like a typical Arizona performance. You know, it, some of the songs on Asylum had been released, like Find Someone, Freaking Out, and Nostalgic. They played when I saw them last June. But a lot of the stuff on Asylum, I don't think they ever really got to play because they never really got to tour off of it. Uh, so it was really cool to hear all those songs. Um, I loved that. I, I loved hearing Still Alive. That was amazing. And I liked what they did with the lights and the stage setup because I think that was, it was kind of proof that you don't need something that's like a set 
you know, you, you don't need to make the stage like its own thing. But it was like a little something. It just kind of tied it together really nicely. And yeah, I mean, it was me on my couch in my living room. Um, you know, I, it wasn't me with 2,500 people, but I, I felt as much as you can without other people there, I felt the same energy. Yeah, and that's I think that's a great point. I um I mentioned that in something I'm writing, how we were all just kind of, you know, sitting in our living room on the couch, but kind of all something that was uh, connecting us at the same time, though, even if we didn't really feel that. Um, but I thought that was really great. Did the fact that it was a live stream change anything about the performance to you at all? I mean, it, you know, one of my one of the moments that sticks out to me about seeing them in person and that like makes me state that as like the most fun show I went to last year is just like enjoying myself and singing along and dancing and like turning to face random people and just like dancing with random people you know um and so you do lose out on that experience when it's a live stream uh, you know they played with so much energy even so uh and I can't I can't even imagine like how hard it is to try to like capture that energy when you're being filmed and it's not like everyone with you uh in the room but yeah I mean like the the stage I'm sure I don't know if they've played that room before but it, for me it was like I definitely lost out on obviously having other people around and getting that energy I, I can't even imagine how they kept the energy without everyone there yeah, I mean, that was something I really noticed, too, when, you know, especially with Zach as he came out, um, you know, just jamming along with Nathan and everything, how he he was just really yeah. energized by each other. They really seemed like they, like there was a crowd there on almost. Yeah. It was like, yeah. of course, there wasn't. I mean, there were maybe, what, yeah, like three people that they were facing. Right, like the crew, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that says a lot about the band when that is someone's willing mm -hmm. to do that because I've seen live streams where it's it's obviously a live stream, you know, it's you know yeah. they're they're just sitting there, but like you, sitting yeah. on their couch and yeah. Exactly. I, exactly. I don't know if you know this. I can't remember if I had put this in my piece, but before Arizona, Zach had never been on stage. Oh yeah, I think you did mention that. I remember that. So I, like, and it's like what? Like he's so dynamic but he's not too anything like he's not too aggressive or moody or anything like he he just has this really great dynamic kind of presence he did yeah he was fun to watch honestly i think they were all fun to watch but he was he really commanded that show i mean you think that this trend and you know performance and widespread behavior is true for any band that performs live do you think that any band could have you know can harness that energy out of themselves or is it varying band to band i think it varies band to band and it also varies on like how you approach a live stream um i'm hoping to watch young blood's live stream in a few weeks and i know he filmed that in like actual menus but you know a, a live stream where it's like the two you know the singer and the guitarist and they're like playing acoustic guitar on their couch it's just not going to have the same energy as in a venue full band with some lights uh does that mean not any band isn't capable of doing something like that you know if they have the resources um i think more bands could but no i mean i don't think every 
band has like a stage presence I feel like that word is so cliche but I I don't think every band has the ability to maintain that stage presence even without a crowd exactly yeah I, I like what you said about the acoustic because that's what a lot of bands yeah especially and I've, the I've, set did and I've watched I've watched a few and like Good Charlotte did one that was awesome and they told all these stories that was it made it such a cool experience but you know just completely different from the live show whereas like what Arizona did was definitely like much closer to a show. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. So, you know, you've photographed quite a few concerts as well as interviewed, you know, some incredible artists that I was reading about on your blog, um, like San Holo. Thank you. Yeah, San Holo, um, Walk the Moon. Um, what makes Arizona unique compared to those other bands that you um, experienced and interviewed? I think Arizona has something that can relate to a lot of different people in their lyrics yes but also in their music like I think in my piece I just I said alt electro pop you know so they have this electronic side they have this pop side they have this alternative very emotional and introspective side but they're not like they're not one thing um they so I think they can appeal to a lot of different people uh, I think their lyrics, to me, their lyrics are like very clever. And I think something I've also really appreciated is that they are a band, like they are a group. And yes, obviously, you know, Walk the Moon is a band and Good Charlotte is a band and, you know, but in like the electronic and pop kind of space, you don't always see bands. And Arizona are a band and they're not like factory produced like those guys have been friends for ages so they have like a really special connection and I I feel like that's what allows them to get more vulnerable in their lyrics and and write the songs that they do for sure for sure that's a great point I think you can you can feel that energy when they're on the stage there's some it's like you could definitely tell that these guys yeah hated each other off the stage or whatever um not not so much into modern day, but these guys, I mean, and I think that came out in their energy as well. Just when, like I said, Zach, he would go over and he would have fun with whoever was on there. Um, how I'm curious though, how has your, you know, you've done some photography and concert photography. How has your experience as a photographer kind of enhanced your view of these bands or just of music in general? Because I know it's a very unique position to be in. Sure. Close up uh, different passes, I know go different places um but how has that um contributed that so I was not photographing the Arizona show like I I took that one shot of them backstage after our interview um but I wasn't photographing the whole show uh, I just wanted to be clear about that yeah, yeah I think it's made me pay attention to I I would love to photograph Arizona you know because I think all my photography experience has made me really pay attention to the way bands move on stage um i think it's especially you know people look at the singer but like especially the guitarists and the drummers and the people that don't always get photographed as much so it's it's made me pay attention to the way people move around on stage uh, sometimes you can kind of anticipate it but you can't always um it's made me you know really think about lights anytime I go to a concert so I think it's just made me appreciate like the visual aspect of all of it like even more 
yeah it's really you're kind of zoned in on one um one spot or if you will you know i've always used that when i worked at concerts i would kind of concentrate on one person like the drummer or something for a little bit and it just kind of it gives you 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 almost hear their sound a little more you know you so you focus in on the drums a little more and then all of a sudden it kind of just brings this whole new perspective in but that's that's a very good point um so like after interviewing the band, you, so you mentioned uh, a couple unique aspects about them. After you interviewed them, um, you know, what real specific trait did you find out that they really brought to the music world that made them, you know, distinguishable from similar, let's say, electro pop groups like, a, you know, like Chelsea Cutler or something like that? Uh, well, I mentioned, you know, first that they do have that group aspect and they have that friendship. Uh, and I think they have a desire to connect with their listeners emotionally in a way that not all pop or electro pop artists do. And that doesn't make that not valid, you know, but I think Arizona, especially talking about hold the line and the backstory of all that, they're really motivated to connect with listeners emotionally on a level of them as people, you know, of course this was the 25 minutes that I got with them, but I really appreciate it. You know, I'm from New Jersey. They're from New Jersey. And there is like a certain grit I think you have from New Jersey that you don't get if you're from New York City because it, I, I think you're like a little rougher. You're a little able to take things, but you're sensitive to and you don't, you know, you're not pretentious. Um, so I, I just really appreciate that about them yeah very good point and i think it's also you know it, it almost incredible how they were this you know just this group of producers that were literally were kind of like oh let's just do this for fun and, and then all of a sudden boom it's like you know like zach has never even been on stage prior to him uh you know starting his career like it's just incredible that they come out and they can you know produce such emotionally connecting songs and incredibly um well-produced song it was like shocking to me that they weren't like initially planning to be a band because it, some of the stuff it talks a lot of their stuff talks about like insecurities and relationships and dealing with anxiety and just trying to hang in there and it, these these really like nuanced concepts of how you relate to other people and that I'm like, not not to say that you couldn't write that for someone else, but some of that to me, it's like, it's so vulnerable that like, that seems like something someone's writing for themselves to sing. Uh, and, and obviously that's what they're doing now, but I'm just, it, 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 it impresses me definitely that they were not initially planning to kind of be uh, performers themselves, but you know, clearly it, it worked out. Yeah, it's a, it really does add something to them as a band. And I think this is a good uh, segue into kind of my next question. You know, the band at the very end uh, touched on a very relevant and, you know, difficult subject at the end, you know, mental health. Uh, with the song Freaking Out, they said, can't, said to come from a time that was a very dark time before COVID. You know, how has Arizona tried to advocate for mental health in their work um, just in general? I think, I mean, they always talk about freaking out you know before freaking out they always I think will like to say something about how important it is to take care of yourself take care of each other 
I believe they've partnered with Hope for the Day. I'm not sure exactly in what way, so you would have to look that up. Um, and I think with Hold the Line, too, I think the the story of how Hold the Line came together was, like, really touching to me and, like, really sad, really poignant, you know, that they were, they had written this and then Tim was working on it, but they didn't even find out he was really working on it till after he passed. And the song has this message of how important it is to push on, to persevere. Uh, so I, I felt like that really connected with them. So I think a lot of it is through their music, um, just writing stuff that's vulnerable. And Asylum, a lot of Asylum, I think, talks about mental health but not just like I'm depressed I have anxiety it's like some really nuanced things like let me know to me that song comes from a place of a lot of anxiety and insecurity like please just let me know if you love me right uh and I think having songs that talk about things like that it's so important because it connects with people and it helps make them feel like they're not alone yeah, that's a very good point because, and you know, like different songs connected to different people in different ways, right? Like that's what's so genius about it almost is that, you know, while they may have written it with something in mind, it might have, you know, connected with somebody on a totally different level, deeper level, and just they might have, you know, when you find a song that you identify with, with your feelings, it's different, right? It's comforting, almost, which is I think, very, what I love about them the most, I think. I, I think it's, yeah, it's that, and it's, you know, like, I'm I'm wearing a Pentimento sweatshirt, and, like, I love that band, but that band to me is, like, I listen to them when I'm really sad. I don't listen to Pentimento, like, when I'm happy. I can listen to Arizona when I'm happy. I can listen to them when I'm sad. I can listen to them when I'm driving in my car, and I'm really stressed out after a long day at work. So, and, and they connect in, like, a little bit of a different way each time exactly yeah it's 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 very cool and i think that it makes it really engaging to listen to yes yes um so how do you think that mental health awareness has kind of manifested itself in the industry as a whole over like the past 10 years you know as as we you know as it comes to be surfaced more how do you think it's manifested itself i i mean there's definitely more visibility which is good you know when i was growing up when I was like in middle school high school some bands talked about it but it definitely was not like a widely talked about thing it was still a little taboo and I definitely think it's still taboo to some extent um I think it's a lot more acceptable for artists to say like Julia Michaels has been very open about the fact that she deals with anxiety uh Loud has been very open about his mental health and loneliness and how that's affected him so I think it's been a lot more accepted for artists to talk about mental health. And I think that's good. Um, I think artists have also become aware of like, you know, when a kid says, Oh, your band saved my life. Mm -hmm. People are getting a little more nuanced and be like, "Uh, is that really like the right thing to say? Like, no, the, the band didn't save your life, but maybe the band gave you courage to ask for help which, you know, ultimately saved your life. However, you know, whatever way you want to take that. Uh, I I think there's definitely more talk about it, which is good. And I think we need people, we need artists 
to write songs that reflect mental health that aren't just I'm really sad and I'm crying or well I used to be really depressed and I used to want to hurt myself but now I don't anymore and life is great you know you need stuff that talks about the nuance um again you know back to Arizona I think yeah I I think there's more visibility um more people talking about it and hopefully that leads to better understanding as a whole like for example workplaces accepting a mental health day as a sick day things like that people not judging each other on an individual level for having anxiety or or being depressed or whatever exactly I think that's a really good point and I think do you kind of see like within the next 10 years how do you see that you do you see it becoming hopefully more visible or in being just a bigger part of the industry I mean it seems like right now it's it's especially in this time you know, people are coming out and, you know, sharing their individual experiences. So do you think that that message becomes more personal with artists? I think, you know, I don't think any person should feel obligated to share their very personal experiences with mental health on a public level. Because like, I, I think that's a lot of pressure. I think when people do choose to do that, like I've done that, you know, in, in various ways, various platforms I've had, um, in, in ways that I have chosen, right? I don't think anyone should ever be obligated to share their story. I will think, what, what I hope is that people will become more comfortable talking about mental health on like a daily level, not just like I have anxiety, but like, hey, my breathing is really shallow right now. My chest is tight and I'm really, really worried about X, Y, and Z. Can we talk? So I think that's what needs to happen. And I think, so that um, I think hopefully people will become more comfortable with, you know, taking medications if they need or going to therapy or whatever lifestyle changes. I hope that artists continue writing uh, music that talks about their mental health. Um, And I, I, I hope that, it continues in that direction you know like like we were saying with Arizona I think artists I hope to see artists continue writing very nuanced stuff I mean even the last Good Charlotte album was a lot more nuanced about mental health and and all of that and I think that's something that could continue and I hope it does yeah for sure for sure I mean it's very you know important for band you know like you said talk about your platform to use that platform you know if you choose to you know to do good i mean you see a lot of people talking about that now i mean how important do you think it is that bands and you know let's just say celebrities in general and famous people in general use that platform to advocate for things like mental health awareness uh justice stuff like that how important do you think that is i mean i think it's super important Again, though, I don't think anyone, I definitely don't think anyone should feel obligated to share their story, whether it's mental health or if we're talking about like sexual assault, which also is a big problem in music, you know, it's a whole separate thing we could go into. Um, I don't want any artists, I don't want to see artists like talking about mental health because they feel obligated to, because they feel like they should, because I think that that's not authentic. I think that's just doing what seems right and is not genuine in any way. 
I hope that more artists continue to use their platform. Uh, I, I hope to see it. And I think it is important when people do, and it's really, really great when people do use their platform responsibly. But I don't think anyone, you know, and I don't think every artist has to, be, you know, turn every show into a fundraiser. But yeah, I think it's, it's great. And if you have a public platform, you know, hopefully you will try to use it for good in some way, whether that's doing a fundraiser or starting a conversation or, or whatever you choose to do. Yeah, or just recognizing that, you know, the platform that you're on, whether you like it or not, your word carries more weight than you might think it does. And it carries more influence than you might think it has, right? So you can't just like, you have to be almost conscious about that in, in a way. I don't think some people realize that when they say certain things. But, you know, people listen to what famous people say regardless, right? You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's. I mean, I mean. Point. Think about how scrutinized. I have a picture from my wall, so it's my thing, though, right? Think about how scrutinized Taylor Swift is for everything that comes out of her mouth. You yeah. know, you're famous. People listen to what you say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. That's a very good point. I mean, I like what you said about the authenticity, too, right? Because it's almost like it's a lot of these messages aren't direct, right? We found them on our own, or maybe they were kind of hinted at through the title or, you know, through sure. whatever. But a lot of the times what makes that message so meaningful is that we kind of discovered that personal, that, you know, like that personal aspect of it on our own, right? Mm -hmm. We all, all of a sudden come to say, hey, you know, I really identify with what that says or, oh, that makes me feel like, you know, I'm not alone in this, you know, type of feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, so going back to that, to the performance as a whole, what song that was performed that night, you know, best captures this, you know, let's say pivotal time, pivotal time that we're in now. Can I pick two? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> so Freaking Out and Still Alive. I think Freaking Out is great. And I think a lot of people, especially as we like wait for election results and everyone has been you know, I am like sitting at my computer refreshing Google every 30 to 40 minutes as if anything is going to change in the next 24 hours. You know, I'm I'm like reading before bed and I turn the lights off, but it's like 1130 p.m. And I'm like, I have to check again. So I think a lot of people relate to that anxiety and that just feeling of being uncomfortable in your own skin. Um, and then still alive because through all of this, like we are still alive. You know, he talks about the pain and the pills and the shame should have killed me. And it's like, everyone has dealt with the stress of the pandemic this year, at which, you know, affects how school works. It affects work. Lots of people have lost jobs, especially in music, you know. I'm very lucky and grateful to be employed. Um, relationships and health and, you know, oh my God, I, I want to see my mom, but she's five states away, you know. I think, but we've persevered. Like we've, as of right now, we're still alive and we made it through. And, you know, whereas freaking out, I think to me, like that gives me comfort that, okay, like I'm not alone in like being super anxious. I think still alive, that's like the pump up on like, hey, you did it. You can keep doing it. Like, let's go, let's go. Yeah, very good point. I like, uh, yeah, that's, like yeah freaking out anymore think of it that you know it really is those two songs especially 
And I was thinking that during the performance too, like even the song, you know, I think, I think it's titled Running. That was one that I kind of thought, you know, like we're keeping, you know, we're going and everything. Like there were various times throughout the night where I thought that. Um, that's yeah. So I think they they did a really good job. Even that, and you know, they probably didn't even intend for that to be the very big case. You know, I only what I like what they did is they. I don't know if they actually mentioned the word COVID once in that whole performance. You know, or did maybe at the end. But maybe like briefly, but it, it wasn't like a focus. Yeah, like that wasn't the focus of the night, which I think helped people, you know, take their mind off of that and, you know, just kind of settle in and a little bit more introspective. Yeah. And and I think Arizona is in general just very introspective in a way that like again, a lot of like electronic or pop artists or groups aren't. Uh, and that's something that I really appreciate about them. Me too. Yeah. So Zooming even further out of the performance, you know, in 10 years, how do you think we'll look back on this time in music history, in the industry history? That's tough. And it's kind of hard to say because I think it really depends on like when tours are allowed to happen. Like I have a ticket for My Chemical Romance that got rescheduled to next September. But like, if I'm being honest, I don't really expect to be in a room with 15,000 people next September. Like, no way. It's it's November. It's, you know, the, the idea, A, that I will be in a room with 15,000 people, period. You know, B, that people would travel. People, you know, that, that a band would go not just from A to B, but from point A to point B to C to D. Uh, I hope that in 10 years touring has recovered but you know I think the unfortunate side effect is that probably some bands will break up because it's going to be so long until they can tour again right and yeah they have live streams and putting out music and selling merch but you're, you're losing like a big portion of your income um so yeah I mean I think I think drive-in shows, Arizona did a drive-in show too. Uh, but I think maybe those will be more common, but you know, I, it's really hard to say without knowing like how long COVID will last, but I, I unfortunately do expect a lot of bands to end up sadly breaking up um, in 10 years. I, I think once it's safe to tour again, I think there'll be a lot of excitement for it once people feel like COVID is done and it's not just that they can go to a show, but that it's safe, um, which honestly like could and probably will be a few years. I think people will be excited to go to shows once they do. Yeah. You know, who, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it head on, right? Like, you know, we all like to think that, you know, Red Rocks, um, you know, they scheduled all their stuff for next summer, right? But even then we're like... It's not happening next summer. Yeah, exactly. It was just unfortunate because, you know, that's such an incredible, you know, shrine of music. Uh, the industry, it's sad to see it empty, but, you know, there's, but I also find that people are finding creative ways to adapt to it too. You know, I think uh, I've been one, uh, live streams, uh, you know, live streaming in the venue is another thing. But again, like, it's just not the same. Like, there's being at Red Rocks and then there's not being at Red Rocks, right? Right. And it's, 
you know, it, I would totally watch like a Red Rocks live stream. Like that'd be awesome, you know? Um, but it's, you know, it's not the same income for artists. So I think, I, I don't know. It, it, I hope to see all my favorite bands continue to stay together, you know, but will they? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say. And I feel like, you know, maybe next summer people will do like outdoor socially distant shows, but who knows? Who knows? And I think, I, I feel like by next summer there will still be like travel restrictions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, you know, my uneducated guess, but so that obviously impacts the ability of anyone to tour really. So but who knows, you know? Exactly. Yeah, well, once again, I want to thank you, you know, so much for your time. And this, this was a really, I think, great conversation just about, not about thank you, band, but in general, quickly tell people, uh, where, where can they find your podcast, Generation GC, and uh, your other photography and writing? Sure. So, yeah, Generation GC is on Apple, Spotify. It's also on YouTube. It's on Google Podcasts. You can also find it on any of the apps like Overcast or Stitch or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I also have a website, mhuddleston.com, and then Twitter and Instagram, mhuddleston. Awesome. Well, like I said, thank you again so much. Uh, you know, stay safe, obviously, and uh, hopefully we'll do some more live streams in the future. And I hope so. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're very fun. So thank you so much once again. Thank you for listening to Crave the Podcast. Crave the Podcast is produced by myself, Jake Trujillo, Zach Clement, and Kellyanne LeMercier. Make sure to follow Crave the Sound on Instagram and subscribe wherever you like to listen. You can also check out our YouTube channel for weekly episodes. See you next week.